Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. <laughs> and I'm Kevin David Thomas. And this is... Oh, my favorite things. My favorite things. I have once to again, tell you, once again, I have to tell you, um, Kevin and I just had a wonderful time. Uh, we went on to YouTube <laughs> to look up something about song and dance and discovered... <laughs> I hope Song and Dance isn't your favorite thing, is it? <laughs> no. this one? Okay, great. I was thinking it actually could be a really good one, but um, Angela Webber's Song and Dance. We, yes, we just we just interviewed uh, the great uh, Richard Maltby Jr., That's right. who was the director of Song and Dance. Which I, for, I forgot or forget. didn't know. Yeah. You forget. And he helped write, you know, adapt some of the lyrics to, the, to America. Yeah, and it's for those of you who don't remember, it's a 1986 musical with uh, Bernadette Peters in it. And the big song, there's a couple of big songs. But and the, big she, one, the first act is just her. Just her. And the second act is just, just dancing. dancing. Yeah. Not her. Not, Not her. her. And just the dancing. big unexpected song is the big one. Right. And what else? Is Tell there? Me on a Sunday. Tell Me on a Sunday. Take me to a park <laughs> that's covered with trees. Yes, I was going to say. What else rhymes with trees? Chimpanzees. Yeah, I love, my, my favorite thing is what, must my, this is a favorite thing of mine. I love when Kevin actually just talks the song I just like and to doesn't really sing like it. He just talks it as a monologue. Them, you know, just to really emphasize oh, I don't even like acting. when you speak sing it. I just, just like when it's just spoken. Tell me on a Sunday. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, it's just I, that's just how I get into the song. That's just, <laughs> that's just so. Anyway, we looked up on YouTube to, to look up a song, and we didn't realize. Yeah, this, the whole show has been yeah, recorded. It's there with Sarah Brightman. It's the London version with Sarah Brightman, oh, fully man. recorded. And, and I told Rob, and I'm gonna just out myself right now, you guys. <laughs> um, like I just sorry, there's so many jokes that I. Kevin will not be outing himself. (laughs) I imagine all the people in college that were like, ah, finally. (laughs) Kevin, please. Uh, Don't out yourself. I'll out myself in another way. I, even better, Sarah Brightman, I was a diehard fan of in college. You told me this. Yeah. And I just wanted to out myself to the rest of the world that it is true that I, you guys, I had like every album from like the late 90s and early aughts when she went to like Europop a little bit. Uh, I saw her in tour. I saw her three times on tour. Really? (laughs) Can I ask you a question? I'm going to tell you that my that phase did end. It did end. I no longer am a diehard fan of Sarah Brightman. I appreciate her, but I do not buy every album anymore. uh, Did you have a crush on her? Was it just the voice, or did you have Uh, a crush on her? I think I did. I definitely liked her for that. She's pretty. She's gorgeous, and but I. I don't know why, Rob. I really don't know why. I think it has something to do with the fact that, like, I loved Phantom of the Opera when I was a kid. Um, I don't know whatever it was about her that just did it for me with these stupid Captain Nemo, this album that she's on. It's so, if, if I played it for you, you would laugh. It's so weird and European. And and I say that with nothing but love, but there's a pop sound. Did to, you? But she was like singing full on legit soprano, but with like a beat underneath it. It's like, mm-ts, mm-ts, mm-ts. didn't you like, tell me? It's so weird. It's so weird. Didn't you tell me she was like the the highest paid, or she's the wealthiest? Yeah, she of because uh, uh, she's still considered. Uh, she hates this term, uh, but she's a classical crossover artist, meaning that she does 
legit singing like Andrea Bocelli, but she also has a market in the pop world. That's what I'm saying. What I was oh. saying about this European, you know, producer, like it was these, she would literally sing like Nezum Dorma, but then there'd be like a beat underneath it or like she'd sing pop tunes with her soprano voice. But yes, she is the highest, ma- highest grossing a female classical performer. I did not know that in the world. So, so this this was like your sixty five million dollars she's worth or something. Oh my like, gosh! Wow. Insane. Good. Well, let her sing whatever the fuck she wants. Right. And put a beat behind Odeus Mio. That's fine. Go for it. Oh man, I used to. Oh god, I loved her, Rob. Oh. Do you need a moment? Are you okay? I think I think I'm all right. I wish you could see Kevin. He's he's perspiring I'm, a little bit. I'm like bit Cleopatra and, on your couch right Kevin now. Looks or, like, or Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> My belly, hanging out, just like that. Give me food. Give me Sarah Brightman. I want everything. That's. I'm not going to say what I was going to (laughs) say. She was married to Andrew Lloyd Webber, you know. She was. She was. So, so this. So, what you get is vintage Sarah Brightman. You know, pre Phantom of the Opera. And this. Remember, we were talking about song and dance. Uh, I lost track for a minute, but I did get really excited when I saw that it was her starring in this. This and, it's the, and it's the full production of the show. The full thing. On YouTube. So take a look at it. That's, for better or for worse. It's not our favorite thing. What is your favorite thing? So, <laughs> getting back on track. Sorry. So my my favorite thing is a holiday uh, musical. Since we are in December now and we are going to be getting... And I do like to listen to... Columbus. I do. <laughs> Columbus Day? 1491. 1492? No, I uh, feel like there was a musical called 1491. Is there? I feel like you're right. And I know it's 1492 in Columbus. Right. Sailed the ocean blue. Yeah. But uh, I feel like it's called 1491. So do you listen to that musical whenever it's Columbus Day? I absolutely. Well, the day before Columbus Day. Ah, yes. Well, 1491. Well, the year before. Uh, the year okay. before. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so this is actually a. I'm getting way ahead of myself because this is actually not a Christmas musical. This is more of a, a a New Year's Eve musical, if there, if you will. But I kind of lump it all into the same um, time of year. This is a show that never played Broadway. It's a three-hander, except all three performers actually have to play the instruments because the people who wrote it play the instruments. We have a violin player, we have a piano player, we have a drum. drum. And it's a holiday show. I call it a holiday musical. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a live concert. Of the production that's on CD that you can listen to. I've actually seen it performed live by the people that did it. Um, I don't know what this it's, is. It's based on Hans Christian Andersen's Little Match Girl, which which is the slightly dark. I mean, for Hans Christian Andersen, everything's dark, but but it's about the little girl who I has no know, money Kevin. and she has she has a little mat. She's selling matches. This or whatever. isn't Daddy Long Legs. No, no, and she she dies basically in the, of of cold. But what? she in the and when she lights the match to stay warm. Um, she sees her grandmother and all, has all these memories of, of her past and dies literally frozen to death but with a smile on her face. I do not know what this is. Okay. What is this? And the musical is called Striking Twelve. Oh, I've heard of this. It's it is it's by a group called Groove Lily, which is made up of uh, Valerie Vagoda, Brandon Milburn, and Jean Lewin. I think I'm saying that Valerie correctly. Valerie Vagoda, for our listeners, is Valerie Bernelli and Abe Vagoda's child. Is it really? No, I'm kidding. Oh my god, I'm so gullible. God damn Go- it. Google Valerie Bernelli, you? then Google Abe Vagoda, and and see <laughs> oh and, and see why Stupid that Kevin. might be funny. How dare you? How dare um, me? And uh, it. it <laughs> Sorry. So there's a 2004 recording that PS Classics uh, released. It's a live recording. The dialogue's all there. It's 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 the concert, and which I've seen, which I mentioned is, um, he very much is at the piano. Gene is very much at the drums. She's got a violin, but they take on a couple characters as they tell the story of. Basically, it's a grumpy guy 
who uh, it's the day before it's New Year's Eve and it's the last day of the year and he's had a really crappy year and his girlfriend dumped him um, and he's invited to this holiday party. He doesn't want to go to the party because he doesn't feel like leaving his apartment because he just doesn't he's not happy. He doesn't feel like having to put on social airs and go out and and just be happy for no reason because he doesn't feel like being happy. So he decides to stay home, even though he gets these calls on the answer machine of his friends being like, come on, the party's here. Even though his ex-girlfriend's at the party, doesn't want to run into her, that kind of thing. Well, lo and behold, someone knocks on his door and it's a girl selling Christmas lights. Quote unquote, the match. match girl. Yeah. And so she's got her little pitch and she sells it to him. And he's like, go away. I don't feel like anything. And he's like, oh, I get it. You're like the match girl. So maybe I'll buy you. A, I'll buy a thing. And and so they have a little interaction. She kind of ter- helps him turn his day around. And he realizes like, you know, it's, thing, you know, he goes through on the journey, I guess you could say, of this match. But the music is incredible. It, it, it is I I've, I listen to it every single time every 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 year I listen to this show probably more than once. Um, the the songwriting trio they went to or two of them I believe went to the NYU grad writing music theater program. Oh okay, like maybe like ten years ago they wrote like a Sleeping Beauty musical as well. They write together and their sound is definitely very original. It's definitely pop influenced, but it's definitely got a foot, definitely soaked in musical theater. So it's it's story it's story songs, but um. But you get really fun tunes. Um, make make sure such I, as uh, yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> looking at my notes, uh, the last day of the year, caution to the wind. It's not all right. Those are a couple songs you might want to listen to. But I would suggest getting the whole album or finding it on YouTube or on Spotify and listening to it from beginning to end because what you get is the full story, the full show, um, and you get to celebrate everyone has that feeling of not wanting to go out of feeling a little woe is me the ennui settling in and this is a nice reminder that there is life outside your apartment and um you know to find the joy of sometimes the holiday spirit is eluding us sometimes that's really beautiful yeah i uh, i i can't say enough about it uh see, i i looked it up to see if they were going to be performing this year i don't think they are okay but um but i always i've saw them perform it live at the old uh what's that big theater that fuerza bruta plays at on on union square union square theater the daryl yeah. roth theater i think is yeah daryl roth uh i saw them perform there once um and it's if you get a chance to see Striking 12, I can't imagine a lot of people are doing it just because it's you you have to have three actors who also play instruments yeah in order to to, to pull it off effectively, but it's listen to the CD, it's fun. How cool. Yeah. Oh, it's really, wonderful. Really fun. Awesome. I've never heard it so I'm going I'm excited to listen I, to I, it. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I highly recommend a, a book for you to read <laughs> okay. during this holiday season. Uh, one of the okay, one of my favorite musicals, and it's not a forgotten musical. I don't think it's a forgotten musical. Is No No Nanette? Oh, I know you love No No Nanette. I really do love yes. No No Nanette. Uh, there's an album of it framed when you walk into uh, it's, into it's, the hallway. Yep, there is, uh, mm-hmm. and it's also the uh, it's it's one of those shows that if somebody it's right said, near the Yentl, yeah, <laughs> and right next to the, okay the Barry Manilow. Our hallway is we call it right nine to five. There is nine to five. That's good. Okay, great. Did you see Robert Goulet's Wishes You Merry Christmas? Oh yes, he does. Can you give me a little bit of that? Right. What has he? What does he sing on that one, Rob? Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. (laughs) Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Everybody knows. (laughs) Some turkey and some mistletoe. That phrasing was brilliant. It's said many times, <laughs> many ways. Merry Christmas to you. 
Hey, look me over, <laughs> lend me an ear. Let's say that goes into his wildcat medley. Oh, that was really good. Which he's very excited you about. Talk about speak singing. <laughs> that's oh, that's really man. that's how you phrase. Um, anyway, so I love Nona Nanette. It's one of those shows that I'm like, oh boy, if I if somebody said here's a cast, right. I, I won't pay you just direct it. I'd be one like, of your, yeah, I'd be like absolutely. Free... I just think it's so fun and so joyous. Anyway. As you know, it was a 1925 musical. Then it had a big resurgence in 1971 when they did this revival of it. We've interviewed Lonnie Ackerman, who was in it. We've interviewed Ed Dixon, who was in that production. Uh, We've interviewed Walter Bobby, who directed... Excuse me. (laughs) We've... we've... (laughs) Sorry, Walter. We'll cut that out. (laughs) Uh... Oh, lunch. (laughs) Oh, lunch. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Well, I've I've cut out the uh, disgusting carbonation. Buzz, buzz, fizz, fizz. Ooh, what a relief it is. It's Robert Goulet for Alka-Seltzer. Oh, God. Ooh. If ever I would leave you. Thank you. Um, That's my medley. Go easy on the horns. Don't want to drown out the voice. They're not coming for the brass. They're coming for the ass. Let's calm down on the horns, folks. Um... <laughs> Anyway, oh so there is a book that chronicles the making of the yes. original No No Nanette and the revival. The book is called The Making of No No Nanette. Uh-huh. It's written by a gentleman named Don Dunn. The book came out Don of Don Dunn. Don Dunn. And we'll post a, a link Still to in print? Uh, out of print. Oh. However, you can get it very cheap on Amazon for like a penny. Oh, um, great. This book... <laughs> I think is so fascinating because it not only details, and I'm sure if you guys know your musical theater history, or maybe you don't, the re- the, the revival of Nona Nanette was fraught with tension. Ah. Uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Harry Rigby, and it was his entire idea to produce a revival of the show in the middle of the Vietnam era. So nobody, I mean, this and, and to cast all 1930s movie stars. Well, yeah. And hair has changed Broadway. I mean, because yeah. like, now with pop, is rock sound is there. Promises, promises. You it know, makes like, no sense. It like, lit, it, really, lit, a show from 1925? With, like, and with all these people that everyone Ruby has Keeler passed is like, away yeah. years ago. And so he's very bold and very brave. And he gets together Busby Berkeley to direct it, the great director-choreographer of right. 1930s. Ruby Keeler, who was the right. star. Patsy Kelly, who was a very famous comedian. And they they all come together. There's a lot of contention, though, between the producers and Busby Busby Berkeley and Ruby Keeler. And he. Fl- what, what's really cool about the book is he flashes back and forth. He flashes from present day, which would be the 1970s, putting on the revival, back to the 1920s when they were putting on the show from the beginning. Oh. So it shows you how both musicals are getting created and both are fraught with their own individual tensions and issues. It's really funny because, you know, Ryan Murphy, who's doing that, he does every American crime story, American horror the story. The Glee. Yeah. He's now doing a new show called American. Uh, it's called Feud, and it deals with the famous feuds in American history. The first one is going to be Joan Crawford and Betty Davis Classic. working. And I was like, you should really look at the revival of making of No No Nanette yeah, because right? it is a feud. It is a real big feud between all the producers and all the creatives. But the book is so wonderful and so interesting. And I think what's really important is, yes, it's juicy. Yes, it's gossipy. But I think it's a really great archive on how musicals were created in the 1920s and how a musical was created in 1971. Then if you read the book and then watch something like Show Business, that great documentary, and see how musicals are created in the 21st century, I think it's a really nice way to have an archive of exactly how something was created that wasn't really recorded a lot. There was no real diary of 
this is how things got off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So my recommendation, wow. it's a book. It's The Making of No-No Nanette by Don Dunn, published in 1975 and available on Amazon. And I love knowing that, you know, we hear from Lonnie that, you know, like Dom Dunn would have a tape recording, but not everybody knew that they were like, he was like tape recording yeah. and stuff, like in meeting, producer meetings and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, so you, it is not just like a... They o- oral account, but it is it is he was there. I mean, they like, gave him un, unfettered access to everything, and they thought. Uh, can he you was, imagine that today? Please, are you kidding? That wouldn't be no happy. Way. And he also got to sit down and interview Irving Cesar, who was the uh, the lyricist on Known right. or composer. Oh no, forgive me. Vincent oh no, Yeoman's, uh, yes. So Irving, yeah. so and he would sit and, and tell them all the stories. It also talks a lot about Ruby Keeler's life, why she was a big star, why she left the limelight. Right. So it's very detailed, and I think it's such a great account of how a musical is created because there really aren't a lot of those. There's that, and there's making it big, yeah, which tells the story of you know how big the musical from 1996 got on. Oh, really? But there's yeah, there's and then re- the Follies one that Ted shaped. Oh, then the, Ted's Follies book, yeah. And then I'm thinking of like uh you're right. And like Diary of a Mad Playwright, but that's, oh, the, that's not a, James that's Kirkwood. Just a, that's yeah. a play. So it's a handful, so we don't right. get this a lot. We, we, we don't, don't get this a lot. And with Ted and James is they were actively involved on those productions. Right. The big and the Nanette, it's from a more objective Moon Over Buffalo. Or oh, Moon the, Over Buffalo, the documentary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a great one. That's not a book, but yeah. But that's a, still a great one. So anyway, it's that's, fun to see the the the, the background. It's yeah. fun to see what goes on behind closed doors. Especially how musicals were created in the twenties, because that's not talked about so no, much. We don't yeah. get that at all. So mine this week is The Making of No No Nanette by oh, Don Dunn. Fantastic. Mine is Striking Twelve. The Little Matchbox Girl musical. Awesome. Take a listen, take a read, and let us know what you think. Yeah, everyone. All right. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.